Welcome to Practice Care with Carl White, the podcast where we help practice owners in healthcare know just enough about the business side to make good business decisions and keep their practices independent. Now our host, Carl. Getting new patients is thought to be the lifeblood of any practice, and it is true that that is. But what about offering more services to your current patients? That is another way to generate revenue. And my guest today has some thoughts on how to get started to do this. I'm Carl White, principal at Market Advisory Group, which is a healthcare marketing agency. And I'm also the host of Practice Care. And the mission for both is the same, and that's to help private practice owners stay private. Not only is that what they want, but I just really believe that care is better when it's just you and your provider at the table and nobody else is secretly whispering into the provider's ear what their agenda is. Not a hospital, not a health system, not other owners in faraway lands, whoever else they may be. When it's just you and your provider, that's when care is best. And today, my guest is Jamie Spann. Jamie is the daughter of a maxillofacial surgeon who spent his entire career in private practice. So she's seen firsthand the struggles that he went through on the business side of his practice. And as a result, at least in part, she started a company called Business Savvy Physician that works to educate and work with private practices just like his. Today, they specialize in private practice startups, increasing revenue, recruiting staff, and online presence and reputation management. And Jamie, thank you very much for coming on Practice Care today. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I gave a very brief bio about you and your background, and there's a lot in there, a lifetime of watching a father grow a practice. You started a business. There's a lot in there. So just fill in some some of the bio gaps for us so that we can get a better sense of you and your background. Sure. Um, so basically, just like you said, my dad's a maxillofacial surgeon. He was in private practice his whole career. He was a facial trauma, so he was a little bit unique. So he worked with hospitals, one in particular, where he relied on them to send him patients because he was a trauma specialist. And so, you know, over time, that significantly changed to where they wanted to keep, you know, their own patients in-house but with their own physicians that were part of their group. Uh, so he had a really hard time later on and he had to learn, you know, how to renegotiate his contracts throughout all these, you know, years, um, his taking call. A lot of physicians don't even know they can get money from hospitals for taking call, even if they're not associated as part of their group. Um, you know, so they've had to, you know, he had to learn that as well. Uh, he had to learn how to manage staff and all these things. And I think there are probably consultants back then, but he didn't know you know, that wasn't even a thing. And so I just wanted to try to make, you know, things easier for physicians nowadays, letting them know, like, there's people out there who can help you. And so that is specifically private practice physicians. Yeah. And um, it's, it's you know, doctors, they go to, they go to medical school to treat patients. And uh, one of my previous guests said, you know, Carl, they didn't actually come out and say in medical school that money is bad and making money is bad, but boy, you could tell it was kind of the messages to us. So even, even if that weren't the case, the, the business side of practice, the education, um, it's not out there. They just kind of have to go feel that on their own. And then, you know, you come along with what I've learned is kind of an advanced concept, which is now I've learned how to get patients. You want me to try to get more money out of them or, you know, get more revenue out of the same patients, that's like a graduate level course in and of itself, or, you know, it's hard enough to get them and then to keep them. So 
to kind of get our feet wet, can you give us an example of a client that you've helped or are helping, you know, get more revenue out of their current patient base? Sure. There is a, one of my physicians is a female uh, interventional pain management physician who had, you know, very gutsy to go out on her own right out of med school or out of residency and start her own practice, which I commend her for that. And she's doing a fabulous job. Um, but, you know, she needed a little tweaking on ways to improve workflow and things like that. Cause you know, again, they don't get taught any of this stuff in school. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, and so we've worked together on a little of that stuff in the beginning, but my main area, what I was doing with her to help her increase revenue because she didn't have a lot of, pra- you know, patients and she has lots of bills, um, you know, overhead paying, you know, student loans, all that. And so mm-hmm. my goal was to help get her some extra money. And so we started implementing durable medical equipment, which specifically we're implementing uh, orthopedic braces for her. So she's looking at, or she's doing, you know, uh, knee braces and back braces. And by doing that, that's increased her, she's on track. I mean, she was doing, gosh, I'm trying to think of her numbers, a couple hundred thousand by the end of the year, just on that alone. Extra wow. Money. Wow. Because okay. patients need it. So, you know. Um, and they're happy and insurance is covering it. And so it, you know, she's happy. That's good. Yeah. And, um, you hit a, an important point there, which is her patients need it. And so if you listeners out there, every once in a while, I'll talk to a, a client or prospective client. We want to get into this And the back of my mind is, is that a legitimate clinical need that your patients might have? Um, and sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. And the point is you've got to start with what, with what a patient's need is, or else no matter how great you think that service or product is, they're not going to choose it because they don't need it. And so they've got to need it. It's got to be compelling. What it is you offer has got to have some kind of advantage or differentiation so that they could say, oh, I'll, I'll get it from you as opposed to anybody else. But it sounds like you really check those boxes. Um, one of my clients, I won't say what they are, but they offered a class to their current patients. And it's it's not, the, the numbers aren't nearly the size of what you just described, but it was the same thing. It, it The need was there and uh, the patient base was there and marketing to them was easy because the patient, there's another thing, your patients are already there. They already trust you. you know. So the idea of offering more services to your current patient base has got a nice head start because your patients already know you and trust you. Um, so where should a practice, we, we just laid a lot on listeners who own practices um, right. in the last few minutes. Do you have a place where a practice owner could get started with just taking this out of this idea out of the dream state and into like, you know, the tangible reality state? Yeah. So when I work, that's a great question. So when I work with my physicians um, on the increasing revenue part of it, we look at, there's, there's six main categories I kind of look at. And so I have six tips or six ways to look at increasing revenue. Um, and so in those six, I'm going to share like three that are most common, probably are the ones that I really think physicians should just kind of take a step back and look at your, what they're doing in their own practice. And the first thing I would say is look at your insurance contracts. If you are taking insurance contracts, your private practices, all of them, look at your insurance contracts and see when was the last time you renegotiated those? A lot of physicians don't even know that they need to renegotiate their insurance contracts. Those come up for renewal yearly or every other year. So it is super important to have somebody help you renegotiate those, whether you keep it in-house or hire an, you know, an outside company to come help you. Um, 
you know, for an example, let's say you're billing an insurance company $250,000 a year. If you were to just get a 5% increase, you know, that's an extra 12,500 for doing nothing other than renegotiating your insurance contract. And that's just one insurance company. Um, so it's huge just to look at that alone. Uh, the second thing I would probably look at is for Medicare and Medicaid contracts. If you take Medicare or Med and or Medicaid, look at um, what your, your first rate denials are. Those specific companies are set fees, period. So as long as you're putting in the correct verbiage and doing everything that they require, they're supposed to pay you and it's set and it's quick. So they should be paying you quickly and they should be paying you, um, you know, not denying you and everything. So if your uh, first rate denials are above like 10%, we need to look and see what else is going on. Are you not submitting the right information? Like there's other things that you need to be looking at that. And if that's happening there, it's probably happening with other insurance, you know, insurances, right. um, which is a big deal. And um Another area actually that I like looking at when you're looking at insurance contracts, you need to be looking at how, look at your actual contract with your insurance company and see how much over or under, you know, you're getting paid for Medicare allowable. And one software that I like to use is a company called Toad Tools. Uh, and I use this software where you can upload all your information or your insurance contracts to it. And it'll tell you if you're above or below Medicare allowable and how much for each. And you can even look at HCPCS codes and everything. And then taking that information is a great tool to use towards renegotiating your insurance contracts. Can you repeat the name of the tool? Yeah, it's code, C-O-D-E tools, T-O-O-L-Z. Dana is the owner of that company and he's great to work with. Okay. Okay. So uh, three tips, they're really around the insurance contract. So try to try to negotiate an increase in fees. Um, even a little bit can make a big difference. That's clearly possible because you're saying it. I mean, everything you hear is, oh, they just, on July 1st, Medicare just did a, you know, they, they started up again, their 2% annual cuts. I think it's, it's an interesting thought to say to somebody, you know, you can try to get a higher fee from the insurance company um, I don't know that anybody ever thinks that way, though. They just sort of see cuts and I'm like, what can I do about the cuts? Accept You're saying it. otherwise. Yeah, yeah, they think they have to accept it and there's nothing they can do. But that's also why it's important to get somebody who's good at renegotiating your contracts. They will need to analyze your contract. So use like, you know, software to figure out, okay, what are you getting paid? How much under that, uh, under Medicare is that? And then taking that, looking at your geography and how much competition there is around you. I mean, they look at a lot of stuff, but by analyzing these contracts, each contract, you can use that against your, um, to help you renegotiate, I guess. Got it. Okay. And the second one sounded like it was get paid faster, which is valuable. Get, get your, yeah. get your reimbursement faster. Right. And yeah. Know and how much your ROI is like what, um, or how much is, you know, how long are these claims out there? I mean, they, you know, if they're using an electronic, um, you know, where you file electronically, like your biller should be filing all these claims electronically, that should help speed up your process. If they have to manually send it in via, you know, fax or, you know, snail mail, I mean, these just add on to how quickly you get paid. So, right. and then you also need to look at your denials and figure out like, why am I getting so many denials? What can I do to decrease my denials? Mm -hmm. Denials are a big one. 
Right. Yes, cash is king, cash flow is part of that kingdom. And you have to pay your people every week or every other week and your bills, et cetera. So you need the cash to do it. Absolutely. Um, What? what, So your six tips, are are there tips in there that relate to getting more revenue out of your current patient base? Yeah. And then the the other one that I really, like we touched on earlier with the ancillary income, it's huge to look for other services or procedures that you can that that you can give back to your patients that you're already seeing these patients. So why not offer them more things? Um, you know, if especially if their insurance company is going to pay for these things, see what your specific practice. So like when I work with my clients in like my ancillary, you know, income package, like right. we look at what is your specialty, what are you offering your patients, what else can we bring that's a value to your patients that goes with your specialty. That is key, like you said, you want to offer them something that they can actually use and that they need, or are they, are you like, if you're going to physical therapy elsewhere and they're getting these things from physical therapy, why not, you know, maybe look at having a physical therapist in-house if you're utilizing it a lot. Um, You know, do you, are you a part owner in an MRI if you're sending, you know, patients all the time to get MRIs, you know? look into that if you can. Right. So maybe you just answered my next question, which is I wanted to go back to, to your example of your um, your pain management clinic that's now offering um, those couple of ancillary products. So you arrived at saying, let's offer it these, these, these few ancillary products. But I imagine that you looked at a pretty big variety of possible choices that, uh, that she could have done to say, let's grow revenue for our current patient base but you arrived at, the, at these couple of ancillary products. Can you, can you just talk a bit more about, you know, not necessarily specifically what you looked at, but that kind of process of, you know, you start with a universe of opportunities, it's very big, and then you want to narrow it down into a, a couple. So for, the, for that client, kind of how did that work? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with just my past experience of what I've seen. I've been in medical sales for over 20 years. I've worked a lot with, um, in, like interventional pain management physicians, orthopedics, neurosurgeons. Um, those are kind of my specialties. So I know a lot about it. I just know of whatever they're, you know, dealing with. A lot of them will get x-rays, they get MRIs, they get CTs, they get, you know, there's other docs who look at, do more with sleep studies. So do you, are you a part owner in a sleep study, like a sleep, you know, study building and, you know, company, um, you know, MRIs, uh, surgery centers, do you operate? tried it you know a lot of them most have ownership in some sort of a surgery center but you know and so that's a lot of it it's just what are you doing now like then we rule those things out like your bigger money makers are you already doing those things okay well what else is there let's you know yeah yeah so it sounds like there's at least a couple of areas one is um you know do what else do you have your hands in and are you i guess maximizing that whatever those things are, that's one. And the other one, not to say that that's not interesting, but this sounds really interesting is it sounded like you were, you know, follow the patients after they either, well, after they leave you, where do they go next? Where do they go next? And where are you referring them to? Where are you referring referring them to? Yeah. And why not think about instead of letting them go next, go next to keep them with you um, and maybe refer them less to keep them more in house. Is, Is that kind of the crux yeah. I mean, you trust the people you're working with. If you're 
or let's say you're a part owner in a physical therapy because you, you have tons of patients who go to physical therapy and you know you want the best for your patients. So why not become part owner in something that you believe in that physical therapy practice? Or do you want to start one because you know you know what you want your patients to have and what to experience. So what better way to send them to somebody that you fully trust? Mm-hmm. It's like you only send your patients and you're referring out to other physicians. You're only sending them out to physicians you trust. It's the same thing. You don't want to just send your patients to anyone or anywhere to, you know, to do anything. You, you want something you trust. Right. That makes sense. It makes, it's very interesting. And I feel like, I feel like we're just scratching the surface and we could go hours on this. Um, but is there, is there anything you think and kind of sort of wrapping up because we don't have hours. Um, <laughs> is, is there, just on the, like on the topic of more revenue from same patients, is, is there like any kind of, anything else you think I should have asked you that I didn't ask or any kind of, you know, parting thoughts? So somebody's listening to this, like, man, I, I really like what Jamie's saying. I want to get going on this as soon as she's done talking. Any kind of, you know, tip on that point? Um, that I mean, I feel write? like we pretty much covered those main areas of where they can, uh, you know, kind of dig deeper into what they're already doing. If they need help, there's people who can help them, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't have time, you know, look for people who can help them like me. But, you know, these are easy things you can have your own staff look into, especially, um, and we kind of touched briefly, but like online presence and patient reviews are a really big one. And we need to look deeper at those things and, and make sure your patients know that you're out there because, you um, if, if they can't find you, especially if you've left a hospital practice and you're going off on your own, um, you, your patients can't find you. You need to be on the internet. You need to make sure your information is consistent. You need to make sure all your information is consistent across all websites. That's super important. Amen. That's what we spend a lot of time doing too. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's, uh, and just to augment it, it's, you know, you, Dr. X, you probably have a really good reputation in real life. You just need to make sure that when people find you online, they see that really quickly. And exactly. it's uh, easy to say, but not so easy to do necessarily. Um, otherwise, they're going to keep looking for somebody else and they're not going to take the time to hunt down your bio, check you out. You need a good right. first impression. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, and patients look at reviews online more now than they ever have before. And I know a lot of doctors don't think they have time to deal with it or they don't want to have to ask their staff to you know, ask their patients for reviews, but there's other ways so you don't have to do that. And, yeah, yeah. You know, there's lots of options out there, but it is important to, you know, get the reviews because the reality is it's only your really, you know, upset patients who want to leave the reviews, right? It's not the ones who, who are happy with you. So let's yes. have the happy ones so that everybody else in the world knows how fabulous you are and that, you know, having good reviews shows instant credibility and trust and that's, you know, ultimately going to get you more patients. And I know the goal is yeah. not to have more patients just to work smarter, not harder, but you know, these things are helpful. Isn't it sad? You know, the happy patients will uh, just move out, but the unhappies will take the time to carve out time out of the day to complain. It's so frustrating. Here's the eye-opening stat and it's either, well, it's eye-opening no matter what you think of it. People trust reviews from strangers as much as, much as recommendations from their own friends and family. Isn't that sad? There's like a sadness yeah. to that. You know, a bunch of strangers are as influential on somebody's choice. It's, yeah, I don't know. Well, and what's even more sad is physicians just try so hard to be good doctors. And there's so many things that hold them back from actually doing what they want to do, which is one positive thing of being able to go into private practice, right? You can operate and treat patients the way you truly want to. You don't have, 
you know, anybody holding you back saying we, we can't do this because the hospital doesn't approve of these things or whatever, um, you know, but it, it, it all goes together. And yeah, we want yeah. doctors to be able to be doctors and to be able to provide good care and not be held back by their patients, you know, from a bad review and they're scared to get other reviews because they got one bad one. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yes, we want you to be good doctors, but we want you to be uh, thriving private practice owners. And so you've got to mind the store, so to speak, on on the on the business side. Well, Jamie, thank you, thank you so much for coming once again. Uh, once so again, thank you again for having me. It was yeah, fun. Jamie uh, Span is with Business Savvy Physicians, and we're going to put all your contact info in the show notes. So anybody whose interest you picked about, um, you know, either working with insurance contracts or looking for more revenue opportunities from your current patient base, uh, they'll know exactly where to find you. And a couple of points just before we wrap up. If you've had an experience on the business side of your practice that you think others would benefit from, or if you're someone like Jamie or myself who works with private practice owners and you've got some expertise that you wanna share, we really want you to come on Practice Care so that you can tell the world about it. In the show notes is a link. It's just a quick form. Tell us what's on your mind about what you'd like to share and we'll get you scheduled as soon as possible. And finally, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Practice Care on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Practice Care with Carl White. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss another episode. You can find our guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.